0: Well hello and welcome to the Through the Word podcast as pastors Chris Mitchell and John Bell seek to answer questions that come from the reading of God's Word beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Thank you for joining us. Well hello I'm Pastor John Bell and I'm Pastor Chris Mitchell and this is the Through the Word podcast, where we've, we've missed being um, together to, to have this podcast the last couple of weeks. But we have been on some couple of family vacations. I was able to go camping, and you were able to get some time away at the beach. Yeah, So, appreciate so welcome that. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to you as well. Thank you. Um, but And thankful for that time away. Thankful to our church family for those opportunities to be away with our family. And Absolutely. And we're thankful to you guys for... For tuning in to listen this week and thank you for your grace and us missing these last couple of weeks, but we'll we'll pick up right where we left off in the book of Isaiah. And so this week we'll head through portions of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And so Pastor Chris, if it's all right with you, we'll go ahead and get into some of those questions.
1: Yeah, and I I did want to say thank you for the listeners who've asked. I mean there have yeah. been some who've asked what happened or sure. are we okay? And <laughs> and so I really am thankful for that and grateful that people are listening and, and we're concerned. So
0: right.
1: anyway, we're back and but we're grateful for you, our listeners.
0: Back and better than ever, as they used to say <laughs> on, on the Mike and Mike show and on ESPN. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so our first question this week is is asking this, is is Jesus referred to in Isaiah sixteen? four and five, it it says this, when the oppressor is no more and the destruction is ceased and he who tramples underfoot is banished from the land, then a throne will be established in steadfast love and on it will set faithfulness in the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice. It is swift to do
1: so in righteousness. So is this a reference to Jesus? I think it is. And here are some points to consider. First of all, it speaks about that throne that was established in steadfast love. Okay. So God made a covenant with David. That's in uh, 2 Samuel 22, 51. Right. And so, in that, we, we have that given to us there. But then we also see that hope lies in Yahweh and his promises to David. So, I think even just that phrase, the throne will be established in steadfast love, does help us see that it is speaking about. Jesus and the promises that were given to David. But then you can go to Amos, which I know okay. <laughs> a ton of people don't go to Amos. But we will but read Amos Yes, soon? we will. Uh, Amos 9, 11 through 12 speaks of something called the booth of David. Okay. Now, the booth represents the dynasty of David, which to the eyes of the prophet was as good as fallen. But the tabernacle of David will be rebuilt in okay. Jesus, right. the greater son of David, the dynasty of david has been reestablished okay but interestingly enough in acts 15 15 through 17 james quotes amos i mean yes. so i mean even the new right. testament mentions this james quotes amos's prophecy about the millennial kingdom to prove that gentile salvation was not contrary to god's plan for israel and james's big point is that amos makes no mention of gentiles becoming jewish proselytes okay. so if gentiles can be saved without becoming Jews in the kingdom there is no need for gentiles to become proselytes in the present age okay and so that's that's very interesting when you when you fit it into this text of Isaiah Jesus is the one who is on the throne in the line of king David who will ultimately end all injustices such as those committed by the Assyrians so just a, a lot there but i mean being able to look at to go from 2 Samuel even to Amos, even into Acts, to see that, yes, I think this, this really is a reference to um, Jesus.
0: All right, well, thank you. And speaking of references to Jesus mm-hmm. or, or to the Lord, mm-hmm. our, our next question comes from Isaiah 28, 1 through 4. And so the question is, who is this referring to when it refers to the Lord in verse 2?
1: Well, the question came up, Okay. Because of the capitalization. Yes. You know, and we see that. So the Lord in verse two is capital L. Right. And then lowercase the rest of the way. Okay. Well, that is our God. Then you get to the capitalization in verse five. Right. And you see it in all caps. All caps. Yes. So that signifies the use of God's proper name, Yahweh. Yes. While the Lord, capital right. one, first capital, and the rest lowercase in verse two is a more common name for God. So they both mean the same God. Sure. Lord with just one capital. Okay. Simply is is a more general term for God, while Lord in all caps is our way of of writing it in our Bible, in the English Bible, to show his covenantal name. Now, this is probably a terrible example. Okay? Okay. I'll just give it out there and we can analyze it later. But we could say the store has the item we've been looking for. Okay, but we could also say Walmart has the item we've been looking for. We're yes. talking about the same store in both, but one was just more specific. Right. So that's, I think, what's happening here.
0: No, yep. no, that makes sense. And but it's, in any case, yes. It's, the answer to that question is yes. Right. It's yes. Talking about the Lord. <laughs> both <laughs> yes, referring to the one true God. That's right. Um, and in whom his people were oppressed. And so mm. our next question has to do, well, I mean, it was even by his design in this. Sure. They were taken into captivity because of their idolatrous
1: ways. And and using right. that nation yes. uh, as a tool of his, um, his discipline. And you said that
0: nation. And so what we're, our question is, who is this nation? Because I, I hear that there's an interchange that takes place. Sometimes they're referred to as Chaldeans. Sometimes they're referred to as the ba- Babylonians. So are these groups, are these the same people?
1: Yes. Okay. The Chaldeans were people who lived in southern Babylonia. Sometimes the term Chaldeans is used to refer to Babylonians in general. Okay. But normally it refers to a specific semi-nomadic tribe that lived in the southern part of Babylon. Okay. So the land of the Chaldeans was the southern portion of Babylon or Mesopotamia, generally thought to be an area about 400 miles long and 100 miles wide alongside the Tigris and Euphrates River. Okay. Rivers now we find the chaldeans mentioned multiple times in the bible and i thought this was one of the most uh clear ones that sure. is most interesting genesis eleven twenty eight 28 speaks of abraham's father terah who lived in ur of the chaldeans okay all right so that was home to the specific tribe or people known as the chaldeans uh genesis eleven thirty one, 31 genesis 15 7 speaks about you know god called abraham a descendant of Shem out of ur of the chaldeans So that Abraham would follow God to the land that God had promised to him and his descendants. Uh, We do know, historically, the Chaldeans were a highly intelligent, educated group of people. Uh, But sometimes they were very aggressive and warlike. And obviously, God used those folks um, for his purposes.
0: But but they were an idolatrous people, yes? Yes. And so our next question, it has to do with uh, a reference that tends to go along with idolatry. Mm-hmm. And that is that throughout Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see the people. It could either be God's people or it could be the Chaldeans, Babylonians, but they're referred to as stupid or foolish. And so our question is what does God mean when he calls a person or a
1: group of people stupid or foolish? This is hard. Right. <laughs> Actually, I, you know, now my kids, we were sitting around having lunch Sunday afternoon and they said, Pastor John said some bad words in his sermon. I did, I said the word stupid. And he said it multiple times. And I looked and I said, well, what did he say? And they said, well, he used the word stupid and foolish. And, you know, we teach our children not to say someone is a fool or is stupid. So this is a great question. Right. Uh, In context, in Jeremiah 10, he's speaking of the person who would exchange the worship of the living God for a dead idol made by one's hands that can be carried around, etc. So to do that is foolish. Yes. That lacks wisdom. It makes no sense. Now, I did go to an article by John Piper that helps us, I hope, get a bigger picture of what is being communicated using those words. And so he begins in his article by observing some passages of Scripture. Uh, he starts with Matthew seven twenty six, where Jesus says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Okay. So in other words, disobedience is folly. Yes. Like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So not doing Jesus' commands is what makes a man foolish. Then Jesus goes on to tell a parable about ten virgins. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. Right. The foolish were excluded from the kingdom, and it wasn't an innocent mistake. Then you can go to the book of Proverbs. How long, O simple ones? This is Proverbs one twenty-two. Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Well, that's what fools do. They hate knowledge. Right. For Proverbs fourteen eight, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Proverbs. I mean, excuse me. Psalm fourteen one. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Psalm seventy four twenty two. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. So, uh, Piper says, here's the inference from all that biblical picture foolishness in the Bible is always sinful. And so to act foolishly is to sin. But I think we can say it the other way around. To sin is to act foolishly. Right. So to act foolishly is sin, and to sin is to act foolishly. We know sin is an attitude or a thought or an action that dishonors God, or is the fruit of a heart that does not treasure God above all things. So that's kind of where Piper went with all that. Sure. I want to bring it all together by saying this. It is stupid and foolish to treasure things in our heart other than God as the most supreme thing. God is creator and he can see what's in a person's heart and can truly know whether they treasure him above all things. So while possibly sounding harsh to us, God can say it and be perfectly justified in doing so. We on the other hand can't see into one's heart. And while we may observe someone doing stupid or foolish things, we don't have the authority to say that they are stupid or that they're right. fools because their heart isn't treasuring God supremely. We can't see that. No. And so we don't have the authority to do that.
0: All right, we can only speak what the Word of God says. Right. I mean, when I think about a person being stupid, I, mean, I think about myself. When I say something that I did was stupid, say I walk, walk into a an, an, you know, screen door. Because, you know, it was very clean. Somebody did a really good job cleaning (laughs) that door. And I just walked right into it. And I was like, ugh, that was stupid. And, you know, the reason I'm saying that is because it's something contrary to who I am. Mm -hmm. What I was doing at that point was something contrary to who I am. And so when God says, I didn't make you to be this way. This is foolish. This is stupid. This is contrary to who I made you to be. And it, in a way, it's a compliment to our intelligence. He's not putting down our intelligence. No. He's made us not. in his image. He's saying, This is not who I made you to be. Your action is stupid. It's not who you are. Right. And so, you know, he's calling people out on doing something completely contrary to the image in which he's
1: made them. That's right. And especially in the context of Jeremiah 10. Right. Speaking of the, the, the foolishness, the stupidity of choosing an idol made with. Made by yes. us, by yes. our hands. A tree cut over down God.
0: and then other stuff put on top of it. Yes, right. it, it, it is a foolish thing to do. That's right. And so we, we're talking about this idol and the idols of Jeremiah 10. And so there's a reference within there, which I just really enjoyed. And it says there's, a, a you know, basically an idol's like a scarecrow in a field.
1: A <laughs> <Honestly, laughs> Cucumber field. Yeah,
0: in a cucumber field. A scarecrow in <laughs> a cucumber, cucumber field. And interesting enough, did you know that the scarecrow is the only one to win an Academy Award. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was outstanding in the field. Oh, true.
1: <laughs> we need oh, a... <laughs>
0: <dang>. <laughs> but their question is, because in the other translations, it refers to that scarecrow as a palm tree. And so, which is, which is correct here? It's our, which was a better translation, possibly? Is Jeremiah 10.5 a scarecrow in a cucumber field, or is it a palm tree?
1: Well, either one, first, let me say, would be in the cucumber field. Yes. So that part, there's really not any right. thought so it's about that. In the so cucumber it's always field. in the cucumber field. Right. Either way. Um, but interestingly enough, both scarecrow or palm tree fit into the possibilities for the translated word. Sure. So when you look at the word, you go to the, the, the references.
0: Okay.
1: Scarecrow is in that gloss as well as a palm tree. But. This is the only time this Hebrew word is used in Scripture here in in this word, particularly in 10.5. And so I'm thinking that scarecrow is better. Okay. Because Deborah in Judges 4. Okay. Sat under a palm tree. Sure. And a different Hebrew word was used there. Oh, okay. And it was only used one time in the Bible. Okay. So there's no confusion that, you know, Deborah sat under a scarecrow.
0: Right. (laughs) And so
1: if that was so clear that she was sitting under a palm tree and that sure. Hebrew word was used it seems to me right that if you were going to say that it was a palm tree in the cucumber field why would you not use that word that was so clear in Judges 4 Yes. so it just it does seem to me that a scarecrow in the cucumber field works best in context well thank you yeah and that, that does
0: seem to to make sense and i really like it it's a fun thing to say <laughs> yeah right and I well was, and,
1: and i got home i you know, and, and, and Zachary, who wasn't able to be here Sunday, had made this little Lego thing and made a cucumber field and put a scarecrow in it and said, mm-hmm. look, Dad, here's what Pastor John was talking <laughs> about today. So we've got a lot of enjoyment out of that cucumber field. Yes. Well, our, our next
0: question has to do with a, a meaning of a statement and the, the burden of the Lord. And so in Jeremiah 23, 33 through 40. So what is the meaning of burden of the Lord in that passage?
1: Well, it's actually a word play going on. Okay. Here because the same word can mean burden or oracle. Oh, okay. So in context of Jeremiah twenty-three, thirty-three, God is saying that the false prophets, hypocritically asking Jeremiah for an oracle, are the oracle. Or oh, they okay. are the burden that God will cast off. Okay. And so these false prophets were going around saying, thus says the Lord, here's an oracle for you. Uh, and God was making clear that prophets who dare to disobey God's command in verses 34 through 36 will receive perpetual shame. So hmm. it's it's actually a, a wordplay. It's kind of funny that, you know, that that happened there. But um, God is, is saying really that don't go around and say, thus says the Lord. Right. As if that's really what's going to happen um, because that's, you are the, you're the oracle, you're the burden, you're the thing that's going to be cast off. Right. <laughs> it's a
0: word to those that are, you know, preaching falsely today. Right. Don't go around saying, thus says the Lord. Right. If he didn't say it, if it's not from his word. That's right. And so we want to be, be clear on the things of God, and the things of God are made clear in the word of God, which is the Holy Bible. And, and from God's word, uh, we have a, another uh, just a question in regards to jeremiah thirty three three and it's in regards to translation again here, but is is it hidden things or unsearchable things that's being referred to
1: in jeremiah thirty three three Well, both of those phrases, hidden things or unsearchable things are translations of the Hebrew actually in context okay. The Hebrew for this phrase usually refers to the formidable cities of Canaan and is translated large with walls up to the sky. Okay. So if well, you go look it up, it, the most of the times that it's used in the Bible, right. the word referenced here is speaking about something that's formidable. Okay, So God is letting his people know there will be judgment, but then he's going to restore them in hidden or unsearchable ways that will seem too incredible, too lofty, Almost like a wall that's formidable to get over. Okay. To believe they're going to be that incredible. Wow. And so Jeremiah is speaking of matters so far beyond human insight that they require divine revelation. Now, yes. interesting enough, some scholars just to kind of finish that up, some scholars think that the word "hidden" that that some of the texts have the word "hidden" things in there. Sure. To try to connect back to Isaiah forty-eight six. Okay. Which uses hidden things of God. All right. So that's very interesting, but. But both really fit well the context. And in both, we
0: have an incredible eternity to look forward to. Right. Praise the Lord. Yes, based
1: on things that God has not completely revealed to us yet right. all the way. Well, I mean. Uh, but yet there's hope I love surprises. In it. <laughs> Some people don't. I
0: really do. True. Especially good ones. I should, I should reference that. I love good, good sur- surprises. Yes,
1: okay. I'll try to remember that. All right,
0: well, we can end on that. Thank you guys for... Tuning in today. If you have any questions for us, please send them in to through the word22 at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Through the Word podcast. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to through the Word22 at gmail.com. That's through the word and the number 22 at gmail.com.